What's up, everyone? It's week two of the Sit Start Podcast. This is Eric Smith, and I am joined by Ryan Heath, as always. Excited to have made it through the first week of the NFL season. We've got our Sit Start range of outcomes tool updated for week two. We've got rankings out. Uh, we'll have the Sit Start uh, article from the staff coming Thursday morning. Uh, we are rolling here, ready for week two. It's just a tough time of the week where the injury news starts rolling in, everyone starts panicking, and we have to decide who we're going to overreact on and who we're going to underreact on. So we're here to help break through some of the news for you and give you some advice on your sit starts. So as always, um, check out the article for the full breakdown, but we are going to try to give you some of the uh, pressing decisions this week, some of the things that have changed throughout the week, and just give you a quick hitting podcast here. So uh, Ryan, um, I think we're starting to settle into the season groove here. We've got some really disappointing players we're going to have to figure out what to do with, but uh, we'll get to that segment here in a little bit. But how are you doing? I'm doing good, Eric. And yeah, you're right. I can tell that we're in the groove of the season now because every notification I get from any fantasy football app is starting to annoy me now because Sleeper needs to tell me when DeAndre Swift is now questionable. I uh, needs to update me on what all 150 of the people I'm in leagues with thought about the first run of waivers. I'm seriously considering just turning off sleeper notifications. I'm going to check it anyway. It's not like I need to be told the instant something happens, what's going on. It's, it's ruining my productivity at work and on fantasy football stuff. Yeah, I've got way too many notifications on my phone right now, so I'm right there with you. But yeah, let's just use that to segue into the news because the news of Wednesday was nobody practiced. So uh, like, kind of like you alluded to, we're going to skip you on the uh, DeAndre Swift not practicing because we just don't know how serious it is. There's lots of players like that who did not practice. I don't think anyone practiced on Tampa Bay. So uh, I, we're basically kind of holding out news updates here on the things that we actually think can be actionable here. Uh, so we are going to start in Tampa Bay with Leonard Fournette. He was limited with a hamstring injury. I'm not sure that we're so worried about starting Fournette this week. I mean, you've got to start him if he's active, but uh, you've got your eye on someone else here in Tampa Bay, Ryan. So let me know your thoughts on uh, Fournette, maybe with a hamstring injury already after one week. Yeah, so I'm just going to lean into the microphone right now to make sure everybody can hear me. Pick up Rashad White. <laughs> if I just ruin the audio on this podcast, I'm super sorry, but I just needed to make sure everyone got that message because Rashad White is only rostered in 35% of leagues right now. And that, that is unreal to me. He is unironically the most valuable handcuff in the league right now. I, I don't think I would put anybody above him at this point in the Tampa Bay offense. We just saw that White is the unquestioned RB2. He's the one that came in the game when Fournette kind of limped off the other night. Like what what am I missing here? Like that this if Leonard Fournette misses extended time, Rashad White is the league winner of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's possibly the early down back and the third down back. I mean, the only running backs that played last week were Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. And sure, White got a lot of those snaps when Fournette limped off, but he was mixing in early on too. Um, you know, the announcers were praising him, how much they trust him. Both Fournette and White had about the same target share last week. So I think he's got a role regardless. Giovanni Bernard did not see the field on offense. We know they hate Keyshawn Vaughn. They've brought in numerous people to replace him. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, we're going to have another player down at the tight end streamer section. I feel the same way, but please, everybody, go out and pick up Rashad White. I don't know why he is on waivers in any leagues. Uh, it's got to be a pretty shallow league for him to not have a roster spot here. 
Yeah, it, it's just insane to me. I would rather have Rashad White on my bench than a lot of wide receivers that I'm not starting literally this week. Like if if Jacoby Myers, like I don't need Jacoby Myers on my roster if I'm not starting him. I'd way rather have Rashad White. Like you gotta you gotta use your bench spots smart here, people. Yeah, and I mean honestly, the floor plays aren't that useful on your bench. Uh, if you do find yourself in a pinch and you need to pick up an RB two to start, like you'll find somebody on waivers who is going to get some snaps. I mean, people ran out and got Rex Burkhead this week, you know, and he dominated the snaps in in, uh, Houston last week. Like you'll find these boring guys available. If you need a floor play, you need to stash players like Rashad white for the upside. So I'm right there with you. If this works out and it's only week two, and it looks like it might work out, uh, it's going to be huge for white. So I sure Tampa Bay, maybe they could go out and get a veteran back, you know, at some point, if, if something really happened to Fournette, but you're going to have, Plenty of good Rashad White weeks. So go get Rashad White, please, everyone. Please. Last time we'll say it. Okay. Next up, um, it's the mandatory San Francisco 49ers running back segment of the show. So uh, this week's update, um, well, I don't know. We we think it's Tyrion Davis-Price or Jordan Mason uh, backing up Jeff Wilson. Kyle Shanahan said they will compete in practice this week to see who will be the number two behind Jeff Wilson. Uh, that he then said we'll go with the hot hand in the game. Ryan, I'm picturing some kind of like gladiator type competition in 49ers camp between TDP and Jordan Mason. So who do you think comes out on top to uh, inevitably surpass Jeff Wilson after about a week? <laughs> it's it's almost impossible to say. Like I, It really just depends which player has kind of figured out the secret sauce of whatever it is Kyle Shanahan enjoys in a running back or in a wide receiver. Like We've seen him do this with pretty much every skill position on the offense short of tight end. Like for all we know, George Kittle's going to be healthy this week and somebody will be playing over him inexplicably because he didn't think he had a good week of practice or something. So I, if just don't even ask me to read the tea leaves on Kyle Shanahan, I can't get into his mind. It's, it's like, it's an enigma to me. I mean, I think y'all know where I lie here. It's uh, I've been a, big TD, TDP drafter all off season. So I am going to take the upside. I know we just saw uh, Trey Sermon get surpassed by Elijah Mitchell last year as a lower draft pick, but uh, Tyrion Davis price was a third rounder. Jordan Mason is undrafted with not a great athletic profile. I'm still going to go for the upside here with TDP, but uh, I think either of them does deserve a spot on your roster just to see what finds, uh, see what happens, you know, and if you have a deep enough bench, uh, I just, I don't think Jeff Wilson is the type that's going to dominate this workload for the whole season. We've never seen him do it before. I mean, he's about to hit age 27. He's got 38 career games under his belt. Uh, Wilson has played in over 50% of the snaps just 11 times in his career. He's played over 40% of the snaps just 14 times. Like in in his career, he's played six games, 10 games, 12 games, and nine games, 4.2 career yards per rush. Like, I just don't get what the upside is here. So I I think someone will either surpass him or he'll get hurt uh, before we know it. So uh, maybe deep down the list, uh, they did add Marlon Mack to the practice squad. So uh, maybe if you're in a dynasty league, like, hey, he's at least on a team now. And this is certainly a spot where he could rise up the ranks quickly. So um, what do you think, Ryan, as far as do you think the upside is here that Elijah Mitchell maybe had last year or is Debo Samuel's running back role just too big right now? Like, is this are we kind of looking at a, a diminished version of Mitchell, whoever pops here? Yeah, and I think that is kind of the issue because Elijah Mitchell was being drafted as like a low end RB2. It's not reasonable to think that anybody else is going to be better than that for starters. And also, yeah, Debo Samuel is clearly in this part-time running back role at this point. Uh, Trey Lance is 
sucking even more rushing attempts out of the offense. Yeah. That's compared to last year. So I don't think that there is that big of a rushing workload opportunity, even if it's only one lead back. They're not actually the lead back. They are, they are in a committee with Debo Samuel and with Trey Lance. So, yeah, th- this situation is everybody's obsessed over it because I get it. Everybody wants to talk about the hot waiver ads after week one, but I, I'm i not into it. I didn't add Jeff Wilson anywhere. I had him stashed in some places. I had the other back stashed in some places, but I wasn't sprinting to the waiver wire for any of these guys. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sounding down on Jeff Wilson. I, I do think you're going to have a nice player here for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, an RB2 flex type player. I would just say I would be looking to sell high on him if you can. I just don't think this is going to last for too many games. So we will see in San Francisco. Um, quick hitters here. We've got J.K. Dobbins practicing in full on Wednesday. Uh, the beat reporters there said he looked good and was cutting well. Ryan, I can't imagine we're starting Dobbins no matter how glowing the reports are this week. And that probably makes everyone in this backfield not playable. I don't know. Anyone you're looking at here in Baltimore? Not really. Yeah. If we're seeing some sort of split between JK Dobbins and then Kenyon Drake coming in on passing downs. Um, it, if the reports are super glowing on Dobbins, maybe I can talk myself into it, but yeah, first game back when this injury has been treated with the amount of insanity that it has been. I, I remember a month ago, JK Dobbins was publicly calling out members of the media for suggesting he might even miss week one. Yeah. Like it, it, it's pretty funny when you look back on it, but yeah, it, this game honestly worries me a little bit too. I think the over unders around 45 points right now. I think that that could hit the under uh, Ravens in Miami. Yeah, Miami gave Baltimore a lot of trouble last year with their zero blitzes. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was just a week ago, maybe a little more than that, we saw videos of J.K. Dobbins limping around in practice. So I just would not trust him with a starting spot this week. But it is looking pretty promising. If you roster him, he should be back relatively soon. Um, Next up, Mac Jones returned to a full practice on Wednesday. I probably have a little bit of adjusting to do in my rankings for the Patriots skill position players. I was worried he was going to miss this game. So, Patriots have avoided the worst case scenario here. Looks like Mac Jones is going to play. So not much more to be said there. We'll get to the running backs later on. Um, in Green Bay, Alan Lazard uh, is returning to a limited practice from his ankle injury. Uh, clips have been going all, all around the internet this uh, today, this week of Aaron Rodgers just, <laughs> just looking just over all of these rookie receivers in Green Bay. He already hates them all. Um, I've seen some jokes about how, you know, all the uh, – all the natural remedies he's had to improve his mood and his well-being uh, sure doesn't seem to be helping. So I'm not sure uh, if he's the most positive person in the world, but he sure thinks he is. So Alan Lazard, are you looking to play him if he's got a full bill of health here? Because there really is a gaping opportunity here in Green Bay. There is, yeah. Honestly, 40% target share incoming for Alan Lazard. Yeah. It's like all summer, Aaron Rodgers would say nothing besides how much he loved Alan Lazard. He was, I mean, we made jokes about people inducting Romeo Dobbs into the Hall of Fame. If you were listening to Rodgers, it was like he was inducting Lazard into the Hall of Fame for yeah. most of training camp. You can tell that he's the guy he wants to throw to. And I that that's kind of might be all that matters on a weekly basis. Like we, we can say all we want about Lazard not being that great and never having commanded a lot of targets, but I am not sure it matters after watching Rogers reaction to Christian Watson dropping that touchdown catch last week. So. Yeah. Um, 
their running backs last week, uh, 14% and 17% target shares. Uh, the receivers, uh, Dobbs had a 14%. Jawan Winfrey, 11%. Christian Watson, 10%. Randall Cobb, 8%. Sammy Watkins, 7%. So, um, yeah, it was the running backs in week one. Definitely an opportunity for a receiver to step up here. So keep an eye on Lazard's health. Uh, quick one in Miami. They may be without both of their offensive tackles. Uh, Teron Armstead and Austin Jackson both seem questionable to play this week against the Ravens. So just keep that in mind. Um, it's always hard to know how much to swing rankings with offensive line injuries, but obviously both tackles missing is kind of a big deal. And then the last one here, I, I think this is an interesting one to discuss. Kenneth Walker, we know that Pete Carroll is overly optimistic with his injury prognosis, but he made it seem pretty reasonable that Walker is going to be playing this week. Rashad Penny, I thought, looked really good on Monday night, but I think the game also kind of displayed why the upside isn't that great. Like, I think the offense looked about as good as you could reasonably expect, and he still did not go off. So he had some plays called back on holding, but he's a talented runner, but I just this offense is going to hold him back, I think. So what are we doing with these Seattle running backs if they're both on the field? Yeah, I thought the Bulls case for Rashad Penny was supposed to be the Seattle offense uh, exceeding expectations and them not being in negative game scripts. <laughs> Seattle was just in a neutral to positive game script for most of that game, and it didn't matter for Penny's fantasy output. I agree. He looked good. He made some awesome plays. Uh, he completely broke all the rushing yards over expected models again this week. He was up at the top right of every graph I saw on Twitter. But yeah, just for fantasy purposes, I can't trust him, especially if Walker's back. But the, and you look as well as Travis Homer played every single third down. Like there, it just doesn't make sense. I'm sorry to the Rashad Penny touts. Yeah, you might be right about him being really good, but I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, and and to be clear, I mean, like you alluded to, we're just we're really focused on fantasy perspectives here. He's a good player. It's just. The fantasy profile, I mean, he put up nine points last week, rushing 12 for 60. He looked really good, but when you're not getting a ton of receiving game work and you're not in a high-scoring offense, you're just going to have a lot of nine-point fantasy games. And that's why someone like, I mean, some you know much less runner like J.D. McKissick can kind of limp his way to eight points every week. It's because of the passing game work. So that's why we're down on Penny. You throw Walker back into the mix. And, yeah, I just have a hard time seeing this offense look better than it did last week. You know, so I think that was their Super Bowl against Russell Wilson personally. And uh, I I don't know. I had Rashad Penny at RB22 before. Uh, I thought I didn't think Kenneth Walker would be coming back this week. So that's kind of a ceiling for me this week. And I think with Walker back, um, I would start like Miles Sanders over him, who I have RB27. I'd, I'd probably move Penny down into the RB30 range. So that's what I'm looking at for Penny. Walker, I do think he's worth stashing, but you're not going to be starting him this week. So. All right, that gets through most of the news that's actually actionable here. Um, so we've got a segment. It's week two. It seemed like the the right time to do this segment. Uh, Ryan, let's go through some players who hurt our feelings last week. Uh, the fantasy community is still reeling for many of these names on this list. So let's figure out where we're at. Are we giving them a mulligan here and what we do going forward? So top of the list, I don't know how we can start anywhere other than Los Angeles. Um, first, we'll start with Alan Robinson. What are your takes on Allen Robinson this week? Are we still like, is he still sitting on our bench? Is he in the, in, in timeout or are you going back to him this week? Yeah. So Allen Robinson managed to tilt me and Twitter so hard <laughs> that it turned me into a film grinder. I, I actually watched a football game. I watched a cut up video of all of Allen Robinson's routes 
and put my opinion out on it on Twitter. I hope I hope you all saw that because I don't think it's going to happen again anytime soon uh, because I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. But it, as my analysis said, imp- very important that you remember this. I didn't think he looked all that great. He just wasn't really getting open against zone. He was open a few times for sure, but it was just taking him too long. And when Stafford barely has two seconds before he's flat on the ground, what do you expect? Of course, he's just going to lob it to Cooper Cup, who is just instantly available every single snap. So, but all of that said, I think that could be a lot different this week against Atlanta. Should be a lot more time for Stafford to throw. Uh, Kind of based on McVay's comments after the game, too, it sounds like they want to make sure they're getting Robinson more involved. Um, The matchup's just so much better. I ranked Robinson at wide receiver 28 this week. That might be a little bullish, honestly, um, but it's more so just about the game environment. And I'm still just trying to treat Allen Robinson as if he's still a legitimate NFL wide receiver. I know that might be kind of radical after (laughs) now that we're in week two of 2022. But uh, if he disappoints here, then I will probably be dropping him pretty significantly. Yeah, I think that's a good stance to take on him. I mean, Atlanta gave up the six most points to wide receivers last year. You look at Buffalo, who they played last week, it was the la- the least points to wide receivers last year. Um, you even look just at last week, Atlanta gave up 43 points to New Orleans Saints wide receivers. So it's not exactly a murderer's row there. Although, hey, maybe we need to adjust our thoughts on the Saints offense. But yeah, I, I think I am willing to go back to the well here with Robinson. I, I, there was just so much positive hype out of camp. I just, I can't believe that was complete. Just, just, I don't know, fiction here. Like, I, I think there's something here with Robinson. Uh, it's kind of squeaky wheel gets the grease or whatever the saying is. Like, I, I think that could be Robinson this week. So I'm willing to play him. But yeah, there are probably some names that we moved ahead of him that we wouldn't have thought a week ago. But um, yeah, it's, just, it's only going to take one more week and we'll have him back up in the top, you know, 15 probably. So I uh, plan to overreact on Allen Robinson for the next four weeks. Um, let's get next to Cam Akers. Uh, I will cover him. We I, I did the running back rankings in our uh, rankings article this week. I've got him down at RB41, which I know sounds pretty harsh uh, considering where he was coming into the season, but I mean, I actually have him ahead of Damian Pierce. So, you know, I, I'm not completely writing him off. Um, he had almost no snaps last week, but I'd expect him to get back on track this week to some extent. Like, I would have a hard time seeing him not getting 30% of the snaps. Like, Daryl Henderson just isn't going to be a an 82% snap guy all season. So, Sean McVay has been starting to say positive things about Akers this week in practice. I would expect to see him rotate in. You can't start him, but I would hold him. I think better days are ahead. Uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we had two Rams play terribly against that Bills team because they're just a juggernaut, it looks like. So, um, any like bold stances here on Acres, Ryan, other than just sit them and wait for this to turn around? Yeah, no, that's kind of the problem or kind of shows the difference between running backs and receivers is so much of our projection for running backs is about the volume and the playing time. And until we see evidence of that, it's just really hard to believe for yeah. the running backs. Um, although the more I hear you talk, the more I'm slowly realizing that I'm going to start Daryl Henderson in every single zero RB team I drafted him on this week. And I'm going to tilt my face off when he gets like seven carries and one target. I just, I can feel it coming. More on Henderson later. We'll, uh, we'll get full into the Daryl Henderson experience. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a good point comparing receivers to running backs. Like 
I think over the past few years, we've seen that like receivers really don't have a floor. Like I know there, there are some elite receivers that we can always get the eight to 10 points out of, but we've seen so many good receivers just ghost us for no reason in a, in a specific week, just one week. And so I just, I'm not as willing to just write off a receiver after one down week. So uh, on that topic, uh, let's get to Darnell Mooney here. Uh, Ryan, um, are you trusting Darnell Mooney after he played in a monsoon last week? Yeah. Speaking of down weeks. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I am trusting Darnell Mooney. Um, I think that the main takeaway that I believe is valid from that monsoon game is that despite the horrible weather, when Justin Fields was throwing the ball, he was throwing deep. He somehow led the entire NFL in air yards per attempt last week in that rainstorm. And both of the touchdowns he threw were long balls. Like it, it yeah. just makes sense that Darnell Mooney is going to be catching some of those. We saw how much he demanded targets last year. He was alphaing Allen freaking Robinson that we just talked about. Like Darnell Mooney didn't suddenly become bad. Like he's going to bounce back. And yeah, with these receivers, you got to keep in mind that there is <laughs> look at the range of outcomes tool. There is a wide range of outcomes on almost every wide receiver. And that includes zero points. Like it, it is completely perceivable that a receiver would go from zero points to smashing in fantasy the next week. And that we can just throw our hands up. That's all we can do about it. Yeah. I I think kind of like you kind of see it chasing like the Seattle receivers in years past where one booms and the other busts. And then the next week, the other booms and the other busts with Metcalf and Lockett. Like if you try to chase these receivers around from week to week, you're generally going to have a bad time. So All right, let's get up next to uh, Travis Etienne for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have him ranked as RB31. I'll actually be curious to hear Ryan's thoughts on Etienne after I get done with this. But um, it was a rough day, week one for Etienne. Mainly, I think we were all rightly so fading uh, James Robinson. It's kind of shocking that he's back this early, getting all this work um, coming off the Achilles injury. But Considering all the doom and gloom, like ETN still outsnapped James Robinson 36 to 34. He had an 11% target share. It like he's coming off of an injury of his own, so I don't think that's actually that awful. Um the results weren't quite there, but he does draw a tough matchup against the Colts. They were one of the toughest matchups in the league last year against fantasy running backs. So I've got him no more as a, a low-end RB2 flex. Um, but I still do have him ranked ahead of James Robinson. I'd rather chase his upside. Uh, Robinson only had a 5% target share. So uh, unless Robinson falls into the end zone, I think ETN's the one to play. So RB31, he's in my playable range. Just you may have better options. So I don't know if you feel differently on ETN, Ryan. This isn't necessarily an indictment for him year long. It's just, you know, we're just looking at week two right now. Yeah, I had a fairly negative visceral reaction to what happened with ETN last week. Um, I was just fully expecting James Robinson to pull a Cam Akers on us and kind of disappear. And maybe it is just relative to where my expectations were set, making me be a little bit unfair to Travis Etienne because, yeah, he mostly played all the third downs. He was targeted more out of the backfield the one play that he dropped the easy touchdown catch is kind of playing over and over in my head. So I probably a lot of availability bias there. Um, it, in fact, I went so far today, somebody posed this trade to me and I, I am interested to see what side you would take Eric. I know I'm super derailing this, but the trade was, would you rather have Travis Etienne or Clyde Edwards or rest of season? 
And I went with CEH. And the more I think about it, the more I think I'm kind of overreacting. CEH is my RB25 this week. So he's six spots ahead of ETN. I think he's the better short-term play. I think ETN has bigger breakout potential. I just don't think it's going to happen with CEH. I mean, there's just a, a big split there. If something were to happen to Robinson, like I, I just, I think if something happened to Robinson, ETN's upside is bigger. If something happened to, I don't know, Isaiah Pacheco or Jarek McKinnon, I'm not sure that really changes CEH's role. So I don't know. I think it kind of depends on how you want to build your team, but we've seen so much from CEH that, yeah, I, I sometimes in these situations, I'd kind of rather have the mystery box and go with ETN. So I don't know. It, that's, a, that's a tough one to pull the trigger on, I think. Um, and I, I tend to just kind of sit and watch those trades until they get rescinded. But um, I, I, I could see the argument for ETN there. Yeah, it's it, it's just really tough. Like with CEH, there is this kind of knowledge that the wheels are going to fall off at some point, <laughs> or at least that's how it feels. Uh, but I mean, like we're, we're talking about the Chiefs versus the Jaguars are yeah. offense here. Like that's, that's, that's was really the sticking point for me where I'm like, am I really going to say that the Jaguar has more upside that's... season long than the Chief? But yeah, I don't know. It It's really tough. That, I mean, that's a fair point. He already scored two touchdowns. I, I guess that's kind of the question is, does someone step up other than Kelsey to score some touchdowns other than CEH? Is, you know, does Juju start getting touchdowns or whatever? I guess it also depends on what your take is on, uh, I mean, on the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Like, it didn't look a lot better week one. Do we have another gear coming? Because if this is all it is in Jacksonville, then, yeah, take take Clyde edwards Slayer. So, I don't know. You maybe have talked me into taking edwards Slayer here, but I am a little skeptical on him as well. Yeah, right. and honestly, okay. you kind of talked me into ETN before I brought <laughs> this, it up. So I, this is super terrible. sorry to the guy that asked me about that trade. I, we are not helpful at all. Uh, that shows the type of players we're dealing with here is we just talked each other into the other. So, um, yeah, this, they're both in that same range of running backs. Um, I don't think either is going to break out and win you your league. So maybe it's worth taking the, the guy in the chief's offense. So you may be right. All right, let's get on to one. You know, th- I think this is a receiver that I am a little bit worried about, um, but maybe you can talk me out of it. It's Devonte Smith. And I only say that just because AJ Brown looks so good. Like there is a reason here why he had a down week. So what do you think about Devonte Smith? Yeah, so you should expect there to be down weeks from Devontae Smith throughout this year. There were even last year. He had a fairly wide range of outcomes in his performances, even in his rookie year without A.J. Brown there. Of course, now that there's a chance that A.J. Brown just takes over any given game, that we could see Devontae Smith with four targets and no fantasy points. Like, completely possible any given week. But... We can also get the inverse where I, AJ Brown is double teamed the entire time. We know Devonte Smith's good at football. Like I, I talked everybody's ears off on all of his efficiency metrics, his rookie year. We know he's good. I don't want to so overreact to that one week. Yes. The situation's changed, but in a matchup like against the Vikings, and I just think that you have to plug him into your flex if you don't have a clearly better option. I've got him ranked at wide receiver 32 this week. I, I'm i going to play a lot in DFS, I think. I think he's he's a perfect DFS play if he was on the main slate, which he's not, of course. Now he'll go off because he's only going to be in showdown. But yeah, yeah that those are my thoughts on Smith. I, and I mean, may, like maybe the Vikings kind of understand that you should double team the alpha receiver on the other team. Like they, yeah. they, they've 
played against Devontae Adams for years. Uh, they just ran over the Packers with Justin Jefferson. Like may, yeah. maybe it's that simple. Yeah. And I was reading an article uh, from Eagles head, well, about Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni talking about Devontae Smith from last week. And I thought the quotes were pretty encouraging. Like it was, he said a lot of the coach stuff, like, you know, we had plays drawn up for him and things just didn't go his way and he didn't get the ball, but he made it pretty clear that he feels strongly about Smith and that he needs to get the ball more. It sounded more than just kind of random coach speak up there. So I would expect Smith to be more involved going forward. I don't think it was a part of their game plan. I think it's just the way the game went. So yeah, I'm not completely out on Smith, but I would be pretty concerned with starting him this week. But I think there's a whole stretch of receivers there I'd be concerned with starting. So he's he's definitely got the upside. And I loved what I saw from that Eagles offense. So, all right. Uh, Damian Pierce is up next. I have him as my RB43. I mentioned that I have him behind Cam Akers. I have him behind Zach Moss too. So I am probably taking his week one the most seriously as far as these players that hurt our feelings. Um, I, we've both kind of been down on him all offseason anyway. And I just don't see it here. Like Rex Burkhead played almost two and a half times more snaps than him. Uh, Pierce only had one target. This was in a game where they were leading most of the game uh, against a good defense against Indianapolis, but they still had the lead. This was a good Pierce game script. Uh, the coach did, similar to Smith, talk about how they needed to get him more touches than that. And while I do believe that, they're traveling to Denver. Um, it's a game they're unlikely to lead like they did last week, being on the road. I just don't see it with Pierce. Like if he's going to get one target or two targets, I don't see how he's going to contribute in a losing uh, game script. So I'm pretty down on Pierce. I am not starting him. I, as much as I'm down on him, I'm still stashing him. Let's see if this improves, but I don't see how you can roll him out in your lineups this week. So um, anything to add on Damian Pierce or is that about to do it? Not really. I would just say that Damian Pierce was a committee back throughout his entire college career. So it, as much as a coach can say, yeah, we want to get him more involved. Like may, maybe there's just something about Damian Pierce that prevents coaches from turning him into a bell cow, no matter how much coach speak they're going to throw at us. Yeah. And like I said, on the, what we saw podcast, it was encouraging that there were only two running backs they used and not like four. It was just Burkhead and Pierce. So a little bit of hope there, but uh, I think I'm going to need to see it for two straight games from Pierce before I, I trust him in my rankings. So. All right, that covers, I think, most of the players who hurt our feelings last week. Probably the ones we didn't talk about are either we're not worried about or we were always worried about. So these were kind of the ones on the fence that we thought were worth addressing here. So um, let's just get right into running backs. Uh, so I ranked the running backs this week. Uh, we're going to start out with Najee Harris. Uh, this is a tough one for me because I was high on him all offseason, but that was before he had a Liz Frank injury. So things change for me with running backs when they get hurt. Uh, I tend to fade injured running backs pretty heavily. And I'm kind of surprised. I feel like everyone's just reporting that Najee Harris says he's good to go and he's playing in week two. And everyone's like, okay, Najee Harris is back. He's fine. And I, I don't, I'm a little more worried than that. Like he was hurt in the preseason. Um, he left last week with an injury to the same foot. Like he was out of the end of regulation and overtime, like really high leverage situations. So I, I just, I'm surprised that everyone's just accepting that he's okay. Like I am stashing when I have roster room, Jalen Warren, just to see what happens maybe over the next week. Uh, he seemed to be the backup in Pittsburgh. So I, I think there's a re-injury risk in game for Najee Harris. It's not the greatest matchup in the world. The Pats gave up 15th most fantasy points to running backs last year. So middle of the pack. Uh, they held the Miami running backs relatively in check last week, even though they were losing. So I don't know. I, I've got Najee Harris knocked pretty far down my rankings. I've got him RB 16. 
it's hard to rank him too low when if he's out on the field, he's probably going to see 70% or more of the snaps. But I'm pretty worried here about Najee Harris, Ryan. It's just re-injury already in week one is a major red flag here. Yeah, and I will say that I will wave the white flag on Najee Harris. I I am also very concerned about him rest of season. If you can sell for anything resembling like a top 12 running back, I would probably do it at this point. Uh, Honestly, I I was about ready to throw my phone in the air and scream uh, Tuesday when the rumor was, oh, it could be a high ankle sprain. And because that is like the kiss of death for running backs in season. Um, But yeah, if this turns into a nagging Liz Frank injury, which it kind of already has. Yeah. I'm, I'm not all that bullish on him rest of season. The only other thing I need to say about Najee Harris is that I don't know why, but this, this is just a thing on the internet. Nobody understands sarcasm and irony during (laughs) foot while a football game is happening. I tweeted out like an obnoxious, like after Najee Harris caught a touchdown, Oh, like I, I was told Najee Harris wouldn't score or catch any passes this year. Just, just, you know, kind of referring to the discourse that we've had about him. And suddenly everyone's in my mentions say, who told you that? Like no one was actually (laughs) saying literally that really, thank you for pointing that out. Everybody on Twitter. I I'm so glad that you owned me there. Yeah. Everyone's got to rush to get there stances in that they've developed all off season. So it's a, it's a wild, uh, wild scene out there on game day. So I'm glad you survived that interaction here. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, the positive is that he only played 60% of the snaps last week before the injury. Um, he still had a whole bunch of touches. Like, it's not like he wasn't getting the ball. I know the yards weren't there, but he was getting touches. He scored a touchdown. So, Hey, maybe he overcomes this, but yeah, I, I'm with you. If someone believes that he's healthy and ready to go week two, I, I, I'd make a move right now if he could personally. So, um, and again, I, I think stashing Warren is, is a good move right now. Um, they they seem to hate all the other running backs other than Warren. So I think he's on the radar. All right. Next up at running back, uh, Daryl Henderson. We already talked about Cam Akers in the section of the players that hurt us last week. Um, so we'll kind of skip over some of the Cam Akers talk, but Daryl Henderson, I actually found I kept moving up my rankings. I was trying to be a little pessimistic on him. I got him up to RB19, so I've got him right behind, like David Montgomery, A.J. Dillon, um, even Najee Harris. So RB19, that's pretty high for Daryl Henderson in Week 2. It's mainly with this matchup against Atlanta, um, but Henderson had the second most snaps among all running backs last week with 82%. Um, Atlanta just allowed 151 rushing yards to the Saints. A uh, little side note is if you look at how many rushing yards they gave up to running backs, it's not very high. That's because Taysom Hill ripped off a couple y- long runs on them. So I'm going to include that in the rushing yards. But um, they gave up a bunch of rushing yards to the Saints, the Falcons did. And only Henderson and, and Akers are playing off offensive snaps at running back for the Rams right now. So even if Akers gets back into the swing of things here, which I think we can expect, it's really hard to project Henderson for any less than 50% of the snaps. I think probably 60% is a, a realistic floor. And I'll take 60% of the snaps of a Rams running back against the Atlanta Falcons. So um, I don't know. Do you think 19 is high enough? Should I have gone higher, Ryan? Where are you at on Henderson? There, There's a 10 and a half point spread in this game. Like yeah. I, it, it's really hard not to just push a guy like that up your rankings. Um, 
yeah, I'm glad that you managed to get him over Rashad Penny. I know that that was the point of contention a little bit earlier. Glad you saw the light on that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. He has to just be treated as an RB2 at the very least and until we see otherwise. Like Henderson was kind of just seeing this type of workhorse volume for a part of last season before Sony Michelle yeah. came along. So I, I don't think it's out of the question that he does this through the first month, month and a half of the year. Like it, it's not like it's something we've never seen before. Yep. And if anything ever happened to acres, there's nobody on the depth chart behind him. So yeah, I think Henderson's in a good spot. Um, he had 12 fantasy, 12 PPR points last week, RB 21 finish without a touchdown. It's nice to see him get five targets and five catches. So yeah, he's a real solid start this week. I I think some people might run a little wild with the snap share from last week. Like I said, I think it's going to come down, but it's still going to be a usable player. All right, next up, uh, Corderell Patterson for the Atlanta Falcons. Other side of this matchup, I find myself shockingly high on Corderell Patterson right now. I've got him RB23, even in a tough matchup against the Rams. Uh, there's kind of a weird narrative that started is that Damian Williams played seven of the first 10 snaps last week. So he was the starter and then he hurt his ribs. And it seems like it's almost like the Najee Harris thing. It's like, well, Damian Williams will be back and he'll be the starter and that's going to kill Patterson's upside. I don't know. It was the first game of the season, first quarter, and Damian Williams got hurt. I don't know if we can just pencil him back into a workforce role ahead of Patterson. So uh, Damian Williams did not practice on Wednesday. He's not that much of a talented player. Like he's an older player. I don't see the big threat there. Um, The other competition is Avery Williams and Tyler Algier, who was inactive week one. I think you ride Patterson here. Uh, he had a 16% target share last week. I, I think you ride him until he breaks down. That could happen in like week six. I, I'm not projecting that Patterson's going to be an RB1 all year, but I think he's an excellent RB2 right now, and I would feel pretty comfortable comfortable rolling him out there. So I don't know. You, are you down on Patterson, or are you along here with me on uh, we're underrating Patterson's upside? I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, and th- this is the other side of that 10 and a half point spread game script, but yep. it's the type of script that Patterson could benefit from. Uh, I mean, we just saw uh, the Rams give up a ton of checkdowns to Zach Moss and Devin Singletary of all running backs. Like the, this could be a way that teams attack the Rams this year. And yeah, I'm in on Patterson. Like you, you have him right above Chase Edmonds in the rankings. I, think that's pretty fair yeah and i mean i i think people overrate just how many bell cows there are in the league i mean you get a 60 percent snap share you're you're right at rb20 basically so you don't need a 70 percent snap share to be a, a relevant fancy running back so i i don't see any reason why patterson won't get that this week so let's move on to the jets backfield uh actually a little more intriguing than i thought it would be with joe flacco starting again <laughs> but only Michael Carter and Brees Hall logged offensive snaps last week for the Jets at running back. Um, so Carter logged 60% of the snaps, 16% uh, target share. And then Brees Hall had a 40% snap share and an 18% target share. Like the, Flacco just threw the running backs. I don't think that's going to change a whole lot. Uh, Cleveland did hold Christian McCaffrey in check last week, but they were middle of the pack last year, allowing points to running backs. So I just think there's going to be a lot of passing game volume as the Jets trail. Um, and Flacco's going to check it down against a tough pass rush, and I just don't really see any reason that this changes. Uh, so I, I don't know. I kind of like both of these backs, which is odd for a team that's led by Joe Flacco. So I got Michael Carter, RB29, Brees Hall, RB32, 
both right in the startable range for me. I would expect Brees Hall to overtake Carter at some point, but I, I think they're both going to be around. So probably a slight downtick to Hall just as far as upside rest of the season. But I do think these are going to be useful players. Like just, just give me the pass catchers and that's what both of them are. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it, I hate to break it to everybody, but if Joe Flacco is going to have to get the ball out quickly to avoid the gauntlet of Brown's pass rushers, it's not going to be down the field to Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. It's I'm really sorry. And in fact, I might need to lower Elijah Moore in my wide receiver rankings for that reason. But yeah, that, that just seems to be the vibe with Flacco. He like, he's, got three very talented receivers to throw to and it takes 60 dropbacks from him for them to get meaningfully involved. So yeah, it it's tough to not like Michael Carter and Brees Hall here. Uh, I, I would say maybe having Carter one spot above Ezekiel Elliott is a little raises a few questions. Um, I get being worried about Zeke. Like we saw what his production looked like in in years past when Dak has not been healthy so is that kind of your concern is this your Bengals bias thinking that they're going to shut the Cowboys down this week where what's the thought process there I mean yeah he's already without Dak it's it's Cooper Rush at quarterback so that downgrades their their scoring potential Uh, Zeke only had a 60 or 58 percent snap share last week so he's already kind of a committee back I mean I don't think we're going to expect to see that raise a whole lot Sure, maybe they'll try to run the ball more, but the offense is going to be worse. We want receptions anyway. Like, and I don't know. I mean, the Bengals defense, like they didn't have flashy turnovers or fumbles or or sacks or anything last week against the Steelers. But like considering all the turnovers, like they played a heck of a game. They really shut down the Steelers offense outside of some circus catches. So I'm just really down on this Cowboys offense now. And um, I just don't want to touch any of these players until I see them stabilize a little bit. So that's it with Zeke. I can understand you're, if you have Zeke on your team, you're probably going to play him over Michael Carter, but um, I don't have him on a lot of my teams. So I just don't have to deal with that problem. So that's where I'm at on Zeke. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I, I think it is probably important to note that it it is the Cowboys and the Jets offenses that we're comparing right now. Like the, <laughs> the fact that those two are in the same breath at the moment is a, is a little depressing. Yeah, it's uh, I don't have many of their running backs, but um, it's sad for my uh, Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb shares for sure. So, all right. I almost didn't even do any analysis on this one. just threw it to you. But um, let's talk about Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson for New England. Uh, Ty Montgomery has been placed on IR. He was playing as the pass catching back last week for the most part. Um, Damian Harris saw 41 percent of the snaps last week. Ramondre Stevenson, 36 I'm just hesitant to suggest any kind of breakout from either when it's an injury to Ty Montgomery. Like if he was the one holding them back, like what's that say about Harris and Stevenson? So maybe I'm overthinking it a little bit too much here. I do think Stevenson's talented, but like they can find another Ty Montgomery, right? Like, so I don't know. I'm probably lower in my rankings than I should be. I kind of thought maybe Mac Jones could miss this week. So I had Stevenson RB 39, Damian Harris RB 36. I probably need to bump them up a little bit, but I don't know how much higher I can bump them up. So do you have much short-term hope for Harris or Stevenson for the Patriots? I'm sorry to say, Eric, I kind of do. And the, the, the reason is, look, just look at the routes last week. Damian Harris, 10 routes run, Ramondre Stevenson, only four, Ty Montgomery, 13 routes. And most of those were out of the backfield. So mm-hmm. it that's 
a decent chunk of routes that either Harris or Stevenson could pick up. Uh, and that that is going to be by far the most valuable source of fantasy points for a Patriots running back. It's not as if we're getting into the red zone that often. So I, I think that it makes both of them a little bit more interesting, um, just more so from a season-long perspective. I don't think you need to rocket them up your ranks this week. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's it's worth noting if you have Stevenson or Harris on your roster. Okay. Tough matchup in Pittsburgh this week, but maybe those two teams kind of slug it out and uh, get some work for the running backs. So, all right, enough running back talk here. Uh, let's get to Ryan's wide receiver rankings. We are going to start with CeeDee Lamb. Um, so we just kind of mentioned this Cowboys situation. Ryan, what do we do with CeeDee Lamb and this Cowboys offense? Yep, we are right back to picking on the Cowboys, but I'm, I'm going to take the contrarian stance here and say CeeDee Lamb is still a player that you can start. Um, I, I've got him ranked at wide receiver 24 this week, just at low, low end wide receiver two. He's going to be in your lineup. Here's the thing about CeeDee Lamb. His entire career, the crit- criticism against him that I have said multiple times on this podcast, he just doesn't earn targets. I even don't care that he was next to Amari Cooper. He was never going over a 20% target share. Jacoby Myers was getting targeted more than he was through the first two years of each of their career. CD Lamb just went out and posted a 30% target share, guys. Like, I understand he only caught two of them and that <laughs> that that offense just was pitiful even before Dak got injured. But you've got to think that that is going to even out a little bit, right? Like, yeah. th- this was one of my favorite stats that I found all week. So CD Lamb actually had over 100 air yards this past week yet he was bottom five in actual yards per target among, among players that had at least one reception. There there were a handful of players that di- didn't catch any passes that I threw out in that stat. But with, yeah, like t- two yards per target when there were 108 potential air yards. So I think that that's going to regress to the mean in some way. Um, I don't think Lamb has this crazy upside or anything I would compare him to somebody like DK Metcalf, where we now seem to know that he's going to command target volume, uh, but obviously the offense is going to hold back his upside. He would he would need to score to put up a really good fantasy day, which is, is unlikely given the respective team totals. A couple things here. One, it was very odd to see DK Metcalf used as a uh, close to the line of scrimmage screen receiver um, as opposed to uh, just bombing out as far as you can. Makes sense going from Wilson to Geno Smith, but still very odd to see. I don't think that's his best role. And then um, I'm just very proud of you, Ryan, that it took an injury to Dak Prescott for you to get on board with CD Lamb. So um, I'm loving this. And I mean, this is not to say that Cooper Rush is going to play better than a healthy Dak Prescott, but it's not like Dak Prescott looked good in week one. So I don't know. There could be some better days for CD Lamb. I'm, I would, man, I, I think I have deep enough wide receiver cores in most of my teams where I'd try to sit them. But I, I agree with you. You could totally put them in as your wide receiver three, and you're probably going to get, you know, nine points. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you'll catch a touchdown. You get 16. Like, I, I think there's a decent enough floor there. So I do agree with you for the most part. Okay. Let's get to the Chargers receiving core. We could probably spend like half a podcast just on the Chargers receiving core. So where do you want to start here with Keenan Allen? Um, Looking like he's out at least for this Thursday. Yeah, so I'll start with Mike Williams. Uh, He he honestly could have been in the players that hurt our feelings section. Um, But I wanted to save him for this. 
so yes, he only commanded four targets in that game where Keenan Allen was out in like the first quarter, I believe. So that's obviously not great. This is kind of what you should expect from Mike Williams. So he's always been an up and down player in his career. Go- he's going into a matchup against the Chiefs. There's a 54 and a half point over under on this game. I, you have to start Mike Williams. I don't care what other receivers you have. It is just so overwhelmingly likely that he sees high target volume. It you you've got to start him. I'm so, like I, I'm not really willing to hear counter arguments on him. It, <laughs> it's it's not like people have been talking about DeAndre Carter as if he just suddenly stepped onto the field and alpha away Mike Williams and Josh Palmer. Car- yes, Carter came into the slot. Still ran way less routes than Williams and Palmer did. Still, we're still talking about a part-time player here, and it he also only had like four targets. Two of them just happened to be touchdowns. Like, what what do you want out of me? Like, it's I would not be betting on DeAndre Carter to outproduce Mike Williams or Josh Palmer again. We yeah. have a decent sample of both Williams and Palmer performing well with Keenan Allen being out. Yeah, there's I just don't think there's that much talk to else to talk about. 31 routes for Williams, 26 for Palmer. Just, they're both just great upside plays. I have Palmer at wide receiver 42. He's the last guy in my solid starter tier this week. So he's someone I'm also trying to get in the lineup. Yeah, I mean DeAndre Carter is 29 years old on his fourth NFL team and has 89 career targets. So yeah, that's just the type of player I'm just pretty much never going to pay attention to. It burns me every once in a while, but it overwhelmingly works out, I promise. Um, 42 actually feels a little low for Palmer for me. I'd be kind of excited to start him. I think you could probably get him over like MVS, Amari Cooper, DJ Chark. I know you got some good things to say about Chark, um, but I do think you could probably move him up a few spots, but regardless where he's ranked, I, I do think he's a pretty solid wide receiver three. I mean, he's definitely got a ton of upside. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not ready to fade Mike Williams yet when we got basically what we were dreaming of when we drafted him as a, a Keenan Allen injury week one. So it would be really hard for me to ever not play Mike Williams this week. He played 93% of the snaps last week, so he's going to be out there a ton. They'll score some points. I mean, even, you know, Austin Eckler had a down week last week. Like, are we just down on all the Chargers players now? Like, I don't think so. So I'm right there with you. Get both of them in your lineups. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is going to be a game where the Chargers are scheming to get Williams and Palmer involved. Like you you could easily say, oh, well, they they didn't expect Allen to get uh, to get knocked out. They just were caught off guard and their offense just kind of dispersed in every direction. So, yeah, don't not going to hold that game against either of them. Yeah. And Palmer has some big time upside. Like I said, like, I mean, he he can fit into that Keenan Allen role pretty well. He's not Keenan Allen, but uh, I think he is the type of player that could uh, do a, a reasonable impression of him. So, all right, next up, um, a name that I never thought we would both be high on at this point in the season, but here we are, um, Julio Jones. We, we kind of like him this week, right? I do. I have Julio at wide receiver 38. Uh, you could talk me into getting even higher on him over certain guys. I, every wide receiver between like wide receiver 25 and 40 is basically the same. Um, But looking at Julio, he was top 12 in air yards this past week, top 12 in yards per team attempt posted a 20% target share. And Chris Godwin is 
overwhelmingly likely to miss at least another week or two. So I, why are we not buying into Julio as just the wide receiver two on the Bucks offense at this point? Uh, and I mean, Mike Evans has had some struggles in his career against the Saints. So I, maybe Brady is having to look Julio's way a little bit more. I, yeah, I looking for ways to get Julio in my flex this week. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a few differences from last year, too. I mean, well, I should note that Julio Jones and Russell Gage didn't practice today, um, but I don't think we're worried about that just yet. I mean, Mike Evans picked up an injury, too. So, like I said, nobody in Tampa Bay practiced. But I, I think there's reasons I think this could be different than last year in Tennessee because he ran into trouble from the start last year in, tr- in Tennessee with injuries and not practicing. And they used him. I mean, he played 50% of the snaps last week for Tampa Bay. They were giving him reverses. Like, I think that's a pretty good sign. If you're giving Julio Jones jet sweeps, like, I, I don't think you do that if you're worried too much about his health. So I like the way they used him. He honestly, like, I was sitting here thinking, well, he had a 50% snap share last week. I'm not sure if they're just going to ramp him up to a huge snap share just because Godwin's out. But, I mean, we've seen Antonio Brown just just dominate as the third receiver in this offense with a relatively limited snap share. So I'm not sure if Julio is Antonio Brown at this point in his career, but like, I think he could get it done even if it is just 60 or so percent of the snaps. So yeah, there's a lot of upside there with Julio. I don't know if you have anything else to say there on Julio specifically, but I'm even intrigued with Russell Gage. I know he's not the most exciting player in the world, but if he's healthy, uh, I just, there's just so many ways where either him or Jones could find themselves with a big workload going forward. Yeah, I Gage hurt me a little bit. He could also be in the players that hurt me section. Yeah. Um, because I was by the by the end of last week, I had kind of talked myself into Gage over Julio, and that blew up in my face, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I I just don't really see it with him. He ran four less routes than Julio, only targeted twice. I, I just think Tom Brady is more excited to throw the ball to Julio Jones than he is Russell Gage. Like I, that. That's kind of the that's kind of what it boils down to. Nah, that's a fair point. I I think Gage can do the like he fills the Godwin role. He's not gonna be anywhere near as good as Godwin, but I could see him kind of filling that role for a few weeks. I I think that's the upside with Gage. But I agree. Julio does have a lot more upside, more exciting play here. So all right, let's get to DJ Chark talk. Um we had an impressive week one from him, another player I did not think we would be talking about. So talk me into DJ Chark against Washington this week. Yeah. All right. So imagine if this was Julio Jones, but, but Jared Goff was throwing to him instead of Tom Brady. And I, Hey, I know I didn't sell it that well, but looking at Chark's peripherals, like they they were pretty good last week, even with Jared Goff. Uh, Chark was top five in total air yards. He ran more routes and commanded more targets than both TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. I mean, that was apparently the real answer to the Amon Ross St. Brown wars of summer 2022. It, it's not that Hawkinson and Swift were hurt. It's that DJ Chark wasn't on the team yet. That That's who's really threatening Amon Ross St. Brown's target share. Um, obviously, he's not actually. They play completely different roles. And Amon Ross St. Brown did awesome anyway and will continue to. But I kind of like Chark as like an outside field stretching option uh, going into a matchup against Washington. Uh, the commanders just gave up nine targets each to Christian Kirk and Zay Jones last week. We just saw multiple receivers be- get heavy target volume against them. And I'm going to talk about this later in the quarterback streaming section, but 
I think this game could be a sneaky shootout. I am talking myself into the game environment between the commanders and the lions. So I really like Chark as a similar sort of flex, upside flex play to Julio this week. Yeah. And I mean, Washington gave up the seventh most points to receivers last year. So they were vulnerable there last year. Like you said, they had uh, gave up a lot of work to some Jaguars receivers. And you just look at the Lions. They played a lot of three wide last week. It was Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark, and Josh Reynolds all on the field, 80% of the snaps or more. And Josh Reynolds only had an 8% target share. Chark, 20, you know, over 20. Uh, Amon Ra went over 30. So, uh, yeah, they had a lot of three wide sets. He was on the field a ton and he was getting thrown the ball. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm not sure what his um, ownership percentage is right now, but I bet he's out there in a lot of leagues and uh, he's definitely worth a pickup. You could probably start him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. This line's offense fought back against the Eagles. I thought the Eagles defense had some talent and I was impressed to see uh, kind of a shootout develop there after they got down early. So, yep, I'm, I'm on board with you. I like this Lions offense overall, other than Jared Goff, but it's okay. <laughs> He'll at least throw the ball. So um, let's get on to the Washington Commanders. So we got a couple of receivers to talk about here. So start wherever you want. Yeah, my brain is super stuck on this game, apparently. <laughs> I didn't didn't really realize when I was putting the show sheet together, but we, we're talking about these guys for the next like 15 minutes. So buckle in. Yeah. Uh, so I have... Curtis Samuel ranked at wide receiver 47 this week and Jahan Dotson ranked at wide receiver 48. Uh, Obviously both of them are players you could have just gotten off the waiver wire. So yes, I do think that they are viable kind of fill in desperation wide receiver three, four very fringe flex plays. So don't, don't feel bad if you have to put them in your lineup. Uh, but it's a similar sort of thesis to as far as the game environment goes, obviously. Um, Washington is on the other side of this. They are underdogs. So that that is lowering me a bit on them. And also there's three receivers here that we think are going to see at least some sort of target volume. Uh, so Curtis Samuel saw 11 targets last week, um, but he actually ran less routes than Jahan Dotson. I, but I wouldn't look into that too much because Samuel was also touching the ball uh, on the ground. Like I, I would really say, I wouldn't say one is ahead of the other significantly in playing time. Uh, so I give the edge to Samuel this week just because he saw the most volume. He's getting fed near the line of scrimmage. His air yards per target was just one. So it, th- this is kind of the guy that just vacuums up all the close to the line of scrimmage targets that gets you a lot of points in the PPR league. Uh, he, he might, you might call him a poor man's Christian McCaffrey since we've been looking for those in Washington for the last two years. But I, so I'll prefer him slightly. Uh, Dotson's the rookie. I like his season long upside more, obviously uh, ju- just from the history of rookies improving throughout the season. Uh, but even this week, I think he's a decent play. He ran a ton of routes, only commanded three targets, but it seems clear that Wentz trusts him and is willing to throw to him, especially in the end zone. So that that's pretty much all the analysis I have. Yep, I, I can't push back there. I, I'm willing to take a shot on both of these players because of the talent. I mean, we've never questioned Curtis Samuel's talent. It's just been his health. And Jahan Dotson, there were only 15 players drafted before him this year in the NFL draft. So, yeah, I'm right on board. Um, very encouraging sign for Watson just to be playing this much and being thrown the ball in the red zone. So, 
Um, I do like that matchup as well. You've talked me into it. We've got multiple more Lions and, and Commanders to talk about here. I've even got one in my section. So, all right, let's get on to quarterback. Um, like we mentioned last week, we're primarily just going to focus on quarterback streamers here. If you drafted two really good quarterbacks, you, you can check out our rankings, pick the highest ranked one. But we're going to try to help out the people who are stuck in a bit of a, a pickle here this week at quarterback. So, um, Ryan, go through your streamers here. Uh, tell us who you're looking at if you need a, a quarterback in week two. Yep, staying in the game, Carson Wentz. I have him at QB 15 this week. He is only 43% rostered right now. Uh, I did miss out on streaming him last week, a little accountability there where he was the overall QB 3 last week. So wish I had recommended him, but not going to make the same mistake again this week. We're going with him. So as I said, I was calling this game a sneaky shootout. It's not actually sneaky because Vegas agrees with me. (laughs) 49 point over under. Uh, The commanders are implied about 23 with that. And interestingly, commanders were third on Sunday in pass rate over expectation. So (laughs) they, they came out throwing the ball, even in situations where a lot of teams would be running it. So that that's pretty interesting to me. I'll, I'll want to watch to see if that continues throughout the year because commanders are not are not like what we think of as an aggressive offense. But maybe maybe Carson Wentz was just the key that they needed to get an upgrade over Taylor Heineke to actually air the ball out. Maybe that's just what they wanted to do all along. Uh, and I mean, even just in terms of total pace, uh, the commanders were eighth in total snaps and just just kind of thinking about this offense and these weapons, like the two receivers we just talked about, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin is a stud. Logan Thomas, it seems to be healthy now. He was out there running routes last week. I I think this could be a low-key kind of loaded offense. Um, And and then for Wentz himself, he certainly took advantage of it. Like even all of the super nerdy like quarterback stats love him. He was sixth in total EPA. He was ninth in Dakota rating, which is a thing Ben Baldwin made that I barely understand, but is supposedly very predictive of good quarterback performance. So it, I, it's, yeah, I don't know how else to, I don't know how to argue against Carson Wentz other than the possibility that we're just really thirsty chasing these shootouts where, we had two teams that were kind of in them last week, but maybe they come together and it just doesn't happen again this week. Like may- maybe it was really the Eagles and the Jaguars that were facilitating a shootout <laughs> environment. But I, yeah, I, I like Wentz this week. I mean, they gave Antonio Gibson a 20% target share. Like they did all the things that we want them to do. Like it finally happened. So, I mean, we, you know, there's always been talk that, uh, the real tape grinders out there that the commanders have had a well-designed offense. They respect their offensive coordinator. I think it really was just Heineke. So Wentz could just fall apart. We've seen it before, but yeah, I'm willing to ride this for now. Tons of weapons in this offense. So uh, we'll get to Logan Thomas in the tight end streamer section. So I'm, I'm on board with you. So tell us why Jared Goff. I mean, I think he's pretty clearly behind Wentz this week, but why we should consider Jared Goff as a streamer. Yeah, so I obviously recommended Goff last week as well. Uh, He ended up finishing pretty much exactly where I had him ranked. Um, And I just kind of think similarly about him this week. I've got him at QB 16. He's out there in more leagues. He is only rostered in 21%. Um, So really just kind of the same thesis as Wentz, except 
Goff has the favor has the favoritism from Vegas on his side. Uh, the Lions are three and a half point favorites. J- just from a process standpoint, I usually prefer streaming the quarterback favorite at home. Uh, obviously, Goff's stats like compared to Wentz were not nearly as good last week, um, even for such a shootout. So I I don't know that the ceiling is super high, but if, if you're desperate, I think you can pick up Goff and he'll probably do fine for you and also want to point out that it's not as if Goff was just dinking and dunking I feel like that that's kind of a perception that people have of him he was top 12 in the league in air yards per attempt last weekend so he's throwing the ball down the field a little bit like that we like to see that from Jared Goff so yeah I'm I'm happy to stream him um much prefer Wentz but I yeah wanted to make sure I didn't talk myself into Goff over Wentz again this week that would have been a mistake that golf's only 21% rostered. So he's out there in a whole bunch of leagues. So, all right. And then uh, we got Marcus Mariota up next. I'm actually probably way too excited about Marcus Mariota as a fantasy streamer this year. We might not be able to get there this week, but what are your thoughts on Mariota? Yeah. All like, all I can just say is kind of keep throwing that 12 rushing attempts number out. And that, because that's kind of where the analysis starts and ends. Yeah. Um, but at, at quarterback, I think that's fine. So I've got him ranked at QB 19. Um, He's only 10% rostered. The problem this week is the matchup against the Rams. Uh, The Falcons are 10 point underdogs. So it's hard to get me to start a quarterback. That's a 10 point underdog in almost any circumstance. Um, But if you're worried about your quarterback, maybe you're in a league where a lot of them are rostered and you're kind of sitting on somebody like, Justin Fields or Aaron Rodgers that you're a little a little shaky concerned about. I think Mariota picking him up this week and seeing how he does is not the worst idea. Uh, like I, I actually think him and Fields are very similar plays this week going up against uh, teams that they're heavy underdogs against. We expect a lot of rushing from both of them. Uh, so I yeah I would say stash Mariota. He's a desperation play, obviously. Um, I think I have to play him in the Scott Fishbowl this week because Dak got hurt. So that's going to be a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Uh, but th- yeah, that's pretty much it. And then he'll get the Seahawks in week three. So we're looking forward to that matchup. I'm just preempting if he appears as my top headline streamer next week that that just be ready for it. Yeah, I had to uh, pick up Cooper Rush in a super flex league uh, for the Dak injury to start him this week. So uh, Marriott is a pretty good uh, alternative to that. But um Hey, Mariota, QB 10 last week against the Saints. That's a good defense. So they were giving him des- – I mean, it was, it's not just he was scrambling. They were giving him design runs at the goal line. They were giving him design runs. So, yeah, I love Mariota's upside. We'll see how long he stays healthy, but I I think he's going to be pretty solid for now. That's just what running quarterbacks do. So, okay, let's get to tight end streamers. Um, I ranked this section. Ryan and I did really good at our uh, quarterback and tight end rankings last week. So um, hopefully we can keep this going for a second straight week. I have to start with Gerald Everett. Uh, he's only 49% rostered. I don't know what people are doing out there. Why is he only 49% rostered, Ryan? I just have no clue. Uh, 12% target share last week. Not that that's elite, but tight end is rough nowadays. And Keenan Allen's out. Looks like a shootout. He's got Justin Herbert as his quarterback. Um, Everett's snap share was just 66%, so it wasn't awesome. But he ran around on 92% of his passing snaps. So, like tight end is just a wasteland right now, Ryan. Like it was basically Travis Kelsey and then everyone else, which is kind of how we predicted this. 
Um, we only had 12 tight ends with 10 or more PPR points. So like you're just chasing touchdowns at tight end. And I don't see why Everett would not be one to chase a touchdown with. Yeah. And I mean, obviously at 49% roster, this is the last week that we can get away with calling him a streamer. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty happy with it. You've got him ranked at tight end 12. It looks like this week. Yep. Yeah, I might even push him up higher. Like I, I'm irrationally excited about Gerald Everett. Like I, I feel like I finally hit on one of these later tight end sleepers and Everett's been someone I've wanted to happen for years now. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I think if you have him on your roster, uh, be happy and just play him because yeah, it, it's looking pretty positive for him. Yeah, you can see it in my ranking section for tight ends, but I was very happy when I plugged in Gerald Everett and Dawson Knox into the sit start tool and uh, Gerald Everett came out ahead. I mean, obviously his projections higher too. So that's part of it. But um, yeah, I was very excited to see that uh, I could rank him ahead of Dawson Knox. So, all right, some quick hitters at tight end because Everett is available in a lot of leagues. But these next three are low rostered, and I would start them over a lot of highly rostered tight ends this week, honestly. I'm just ready to cut bait on some of these other tight ends. But Hayden Hurst, he's only 14% rostered. He was one of 10 tight ends with a 15% target share better last week. Like, the Bengals ran a ton of snaps last week. That's not sustainable, but he still had a good target share for a tight end. Hurst ran, um, or he played on 75% of the snaps, which was pretty good. Ran around on 80% of the pass plays he was on the field for, like, Again, it's tight end as a wasteland. He played a bunch. He got a good target share. He plays with Joe Burrow. I don't know what else there is. Uh, I think Hayden Hurst is worth a uh, worth a start here. He made some impressive catches too. He made an excellent catch on the sideline. So I, I think Hurst is uh he's probably what like I think tight end fourteen in my rankings, fifteen. So it, I'm not ranking him that high, but um, I would play him ahead of David and Joku, Taysom Hill, who played like twelve snaps last week. Like I I think he's a, a realistic starter this week. Yeah, I mean, are we dropping David Njoku? Like, I, I think I'm there personally. I like j- just thinking about tight ends that we would drop David Njoku, uh, Mike Gesicki, absolutely, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Let's see who else is on here. Uh, Hunter Henry, I would probably keep. He ran a lot of routes last week. Yeah. So that, that could be interesting. Austin Hooper. Yeah, Austin Hooper. Yeah, hey, we said that Hooper would be a streamer every week. <laughs> Turns out we were completely wrong. He was just the way that we wouldn't have to talk about him was him not being involved in the offense. So, yeah. yeah that <laughs> and Joku's a tough one because he did play 89% of the snaps last week, but they just didn't throw him the ball. But yeah, Hooper only played 62% of the snaps, which I was kind of shocked about. Uh, Noah Fant only played 56% of the snaps. Gasicki, 42% of the snaps. <laughs> like, that's bad. Um, some of the other disappointing ones were like Irv Smith. At least he was coming off an injury, but he only played 31%. Uh, Robert Tunyon, 36% coming off an injury. And then Taysom Hill, 26%. So I'm not ready to chase Taysom Hill yet. So y'all can have have fun with that one. I'm just not going to do it. So um, next up for the streamers, these are getting pretty deep here, but I just, I think Everett's so out there that um, I, I felt okay going a little deeper on these. So I'll, I'll be quick, but Logan Thomas, 9% uh, rostered in Yahoo Leagues. I've been down on him. I've been ignoring him off season because he's an older tight end coming off a major injury. But week one, 62% snap share, 14.6% target share. Playing the Lions, who gave up the ninth most fancy points. Like, I think he's going to increase. So I wouldn't be surprised if here in three weeks, he's like tight end 12 every week in our rankings. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen it from Logan Thomas before, obviously. Uh, He's one of the few guys that we're talking about here that actually has a history of producing as a tight end one. So if 
Everett is gone. I, I would say Thomas is probably going to be my highest priority add after him if I need tight end help, just looking at the season in general, not even just as a streamer this week. Yep, I got him tight end 17 this week. And then finally, I don't even really want to mention him, but um, Evan Ingram, 22% rostered. I just thought the numbers were kind of encouraging. He played a 71% snap share. I didn't think he was just going to get thrown out there like that. 11% target share, which is first game with the Jags. I think that's fine. He ran the six most routes among tight ends. Like the target competition ahead of him is really weak other than Christian Kirk and ETN. But I mean, it's Zay Jones and Marvin Jones other than that. So I don't know. I, I think he's playing snaps. He's getting some targets. There's some upside for people from the past. So Evan Ingram, I don't know what leagues you're necessarily going to pick him up in, but uh, I think it's he, he may be avoided worst case scenario. I thought he might just not really play or split snaps, and it does seem like he's their starting tight end. Yeah, so I just kind of realized this sitting here, but I think Evan Ingram is our generation's Tyler Higby this year. <laughs> he's going to be on the field a ton, run all the routes, get some targets. And then when you watch him play and watch it go through his hands, you're just going to scream and jump off your couch. Uh, Cause I, I will say I didn't really understand all of the Tyler Higby hate, I think until this week. And then I really sat and paid attention to him because we streamed him. We'd been talking about him a lot and I'm like, Oh my God, like I hate watching Tyler Higby play. Like I, I completely get it now. And I think I, feel similarly about Evan Ingram. Yeah, I never claimed Higby was a good player. I was very proud to see him 56% rostered this week, though, so he's not in the streaming territory anymore. So, all right, so that's what's available at tight end, and honestly, I don't think these names are that much worse than tight end, I don't know, 10 this week. I got Higby at 10, Alberto at 11, Everett at 12, Knox at 13, Komet at 14. Like, these guys are kind of right in that mix, so. As always, tight end, it's just a blast. So um, let's get to defensive streamers real quick here. It's actually kind of brutal this week on defensive streamers. I don't know if you found anyone that I did not, Ryan, but I had to include a couple over 50% rostered teams. Uh, Cleveland, 56% rostered home against the Jets. Bengals, 56% rostered at Dallas against Cooper Rush. Those are my best options. So for me to find one under 50%, it's kind of desperation range already. Uh, I came up with Miami, 22% rostered at Baltimore. They really gave Lamar fits last year. Um, they had a super easy matchup week one against the Jets. So I don't know that we necessarily know if their offense is firing in all, all cylinders yet. So, you know, they had a lot of injuries last year, Baltimore did, on offense. I could see them having a little step back here against Miami. I don't know. This is me trying to talk us into a, a team under 50% rostered because it's kind of rough. Um, the only other name I could come up with was like the Giants 4% against Carolina. So I don't know. Does anyone do anything for you here under 50% rostered, Ryan? Yeah, I'm just going to prefer the Giants straight up to the Dolphins. Um, and they are out there in your league, only 4%, as you said. Uh Look, the Giants are home favorites by two and a half points. That that's kind of checks the box for all I need to stream a defense, especially <laughs> when the options are as thin as they are this week. Uh, Baker Mayfield got sacked four times last week. Yes, it was against the Browns. Yes, the, the Giants pass rush is not as good as the Browns pass rush, but 
I think you could see some sacks here from the Giants. This game is not going to blow up into a shootout or anything. I, I think yeah. you have a fairly decent floor streaming the Giants. Um, and I'm going to have to do it in some leagues this week. So my, my money is where my mouth is here. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even have a defense in one of my leagues this week. So, yeah, I'll be right there with you. I guess the thought in Baltimore, I mean, you could see some sacks with Lamar. You know, I, 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 I don't know. We'll see if they can zero blitz the Ravens again like they did last year and the Ravens just have no answers for it. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I don't feel great about it. But hopefully between Cleveland and Cincinnati, hopefully one of them is available in your league. I would go out and get them right now. That would be my recommendation. So, all right, Ryan, we went a little long this week, but I actually kind of think week two is maybe one of the – you know, we got a lot to talk about in week two. We have one week of data. We got to figure out if this stuff's real. So anything you want to add in before we get out of here? Uh, just that we're going to be telling ourselves that every single week. Oh, th- like this is a good week to go long. It's not that bad that we went over the allotted hour. Like we're totally not going to continue doing this every single week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's where my head's at right now. All my fault. I added the players who hurt our feelings uh, section and that accounted for probably half the podcast. So, um, all right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. We will be back with you for the What We Saw podcast on Sunday night, which is definitely shorter than this one. So check it out if you want a quick recap of Sunday's games. Um, check out our Waiver Wire podcast every Monday night, Tuesday morning. AJ and Callan do a great job there. Um, but other than that, um, good luck. Hopefully you have some good production Thursday night. You know, jump out to an early lead. So thanks for listening.